0: What's up guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UJ podcast. I'm Tyler and here with me on the other end of the line is my co-host Curtis. And obviously this is the show that we promised you guys this is the early signing day. It's not the only signing day, but the early signing period uh, recap show here. we got a lot to cover today. A lot went down. Uh, there was some good, There, which is pretty much how recruiting is. today to talk about so Some guys we certainly missed on. We'll get to all of those uh, those conversations here very shortly. Kurt, however, I want to start by giving you a chance to kind of run through your thoughts on the Justin Fields transfer situation. Uh, we weren't able to kind of hook up yesterday. We tried to make it work out, but our schedules, we, couldn't just, we just basically couldn't quite make it work out. So I put a few thoughts out there yesterday, but I definitely wanted to give you a chance to kind of Run through what's going uh, on in your mind right now as it pertains to Justin Fields and his potential and probably likely transfer at this point.
1: Um, I think my only thing is, you know, I understand the, the feeling of wanting to transfer, trying to get a better opportunity. I think what bothered me the most is the way it's being handled behind the scenes Uh, you know, trying to use the media to attack it, to attack public perception more or less.
0: Yeah. Uh, like. Do you fault the family for trying to do what's right? I mean, I don't want to say what's right, but like get their son eligible as quickly as possible, I mean, cuz that's what families are there for. They're there to advocate for their child, right?
1: Well, I mean, I get what they're trying to do, but they're also they also think about their other child. I feel like the the one person that's really getting screwed over in this whole situation also is his his younger sister. Yes, yeah. going who's signed to play uh, softball Georgia, and that's why the whole thing kind of doesn't make sense. You know, if that racist remark really affected the family that much, then why was she allowed to continue to right
0: uh, after the remark was uttered? Yeah, and that's the, and that's what I keep coming back to. That's why it feels uh somewhat disingenuous to me and. And just kind of going back, if you didn't hear the show yesterday, um, look, I I 100% know that racism is very real, and it is real on an institutional level. However, I think in this particular situation, you have to look at the context, right, Kurt? Yeah. You have to. I'm I'm not saying you're trying to discount racism. I I don't know how it feels to have that word uttered towards you in any way whatsoever. So in some ways, I don't think I should really have an opinion on it. But if you look at the context of the situation – after that, the whole the whole deal came out, the whole incident came out, and Adam Sassers kicked off the baseball team after the investigation, his sister still signs with the university. So if you feel like your son, his well-being was threatened, would you really allow your daughter to go there? You wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think so. So I feel like it's kind of like a, just a convenient excuse more so than anything. And that's, and that's kind of what I said yesterday. That That's where my issue is. My issue – like do you have an issue – do you have an issue with uh, Fields himself deciding to transfer? Like, do you have a problem with that? That with that decision itself? No, not at all. Yeah, I mean that totally makes sense. I 100% get that. Look, um, you know, he he came here, gave it his best shot. Uh, there's a chance he might be behind Justin or Jay Fromm for two more years. Fromm might go pro early. We don't know. Maybe he would have beat out Fromm. That's a possibility too. But I think that there was too much of a risk for him. Right. I think he kind of just wanted to go to a path that maybe had a little bit less resistance to get to where he ultimately wants to go. Do you feel like – because there are some people out there uh, who have the, who are of the opinion that Kirby Smart is uh, someone who bears a lot of responsibility for this, that he let uh, – I've heard a couple of times uh, that he's the one that's responsible for letting two five-star quarterbacks uh, that we signed leave and go elsewhere – uh, is, is that the, do you see it that way or is that kind of No, misguided? not at all. I mean,
1: look right. at all these top schools that are doing it. Alabama has, you know, for continuously, I mean, they had two leave within like a two week span during the season, right. um, just last year. So I think, I mean, it, it's the way the times are changing realistically. I mean, kids aren't wanting to stay cause they're, they're, you know, the whole purpose of them is trying to get to the league and they're not willing to wait around anymore. So it's making, and with the way the transfer rules are changing, it is making it more difficult to keep kids here nowadays.
0: Yeah, I, I put the number out there yesterday. If Justin Fields does indeed follow through on this transfer uh, process, and I, I mean his name's in the in the national database for transfers, it's in that portal. Uh, he could choose to come back. I don't think that's very likely. Do you, Kurt? No, no, no. Like, like that's a pipe dream. I think it's, we're almost too far down the rabbit hole for that to happen. I can't. I will never say never. I don't like to speak in absolutes, but I just find that very hard to believe. Uh, but you know, it's. I guess if you look at this situation, it's like you said, it's the trend, right? 12, and then the number I was, that I uh, mentioned yesterday, it was 12 of the last 19, if Fields goes through this, 12 of the last 19 five star quarterbacks will transfer at some point in their career. Is that not a crazy number? It is. Like, Why do you think we're seeing this more so than we have in the past with these five star quarterbacks? What is it about I, the I modern really five star quarterback? Uh,
1: I think it's the day and age of social media nowadays. I mean, kids are getting hyped up more and more than they ever were before, getting a lot more and more coverage um, throughout their whole life. And so when doing so, you know, you see highlights left and right. Kids are being told how great they are. And then once they get there and, you know, if everything's not going their way, especially I think it didn't help when Fields, you know, when ESPN in particular made him the number one player overall, right. and then he goes out and sees someone like Trevor Lawrence, who is actually playing, um, I think it makes it more difficult.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I tend to agree with you there. And another thing that I m- mentioned yesterday is, you know, I, I feel like – do you feel like maybe the fan base in general or just not our fan base but just college ball fans in general bear some responsibility for for this transfer and for all these five-star quarterbacks transferring in, in some way like like we're the ones that are hyping these guys up?
1: Hundred percent. Like I said, I mean, when, when all these youth, when all these videos and things are out, and you follow these kids, their everyday life and stuff, we start to hype them up as like they're almost
0: gods. Yeah, and and we get kind of we get so mesmerized, I guess the way I would describe it, with with some of the the, the wonderful things they're able to do on their highlight tapes. But you have to understand, guys, what we see on highlight tapes, that is th- those are the that's them at their best, right? That's what they can do when they're at their best, but you have to remember they're not always at their best. Highlight tapes don't really show you how consistent a guy is, and don't give you a look into every little play and what he's doing on a down in down out basis. And and Fields ripped it up at the camps. He absolutely did going into his senior year, but that's also I mean, and that's and, and you have to evaluate. That's part of the evaluation process of what they do in camps. But that's in shorts, okay? Shorts and helmets uh and so that doesn't give you a complete picture when you're evaluating it gives you a, a certain part of the picture but it doesn't give you the entire picture and when you look at Justin Fields in particular we all anointed him uh that he was going to be this this guy that's going to take our offense to the next level he's a dual threat guy who can also throw the football he's won the the elite 11 camp and that wasn't even that didn't even involve his legs and you and I said that like we said that so I mean we're part of the problem too I mean I'm not I'm not going to completely absolve myself of responsibility here but if you really look at it in, in totality, look at look at it in context. Justin Fields was a two year starter in high school. In high school, right? whereas Jake Fromm was a four-year guy who got really good coaching, really good tutor at the high school level. I don't feel think feel I'm not saying he got bad coaching, but I don't think he got the level of coaching that Jake Fromm did. Plus you add in Fromm had 15 games of experience on him, a whole entire year in the system. Fromm's got a great work ethic. We all know that's legendary. Uh, so you add all that together and it was always going to be an uphill battle for Justin Fields to take this job in 2018. It was always going to be an uphill battle. Uh, but I think with the hype that came along with him, him being like this Highly, depending on what service you're look at, whether it's ESPN or I mean on the 247 composite, he was the number two overall prospect. Whatever, whatever service you're looking at, he was highly rated. So there's a lot of excitement that goes along with that. He's kind of the centerpiece of this number one recruiting class. But I think sometimes maybe in some way we got a little bit ahead of ourselves and didn't look at the total picture here. Uh, I do want real quick before we move on to signing day. I, going back to kind of the question like is this a, something that Kirby Smart kind of mismanaged? Do you think that Kirby Smart played the right guy at quarterback this year?
1: I do because it was obvious when Fields came in. Yeah, people say we handed it off too much. Well, whenever we tried to throw the ball, he would just tuck it and run
0: it unless unless the first yep. read was in. One read, tuck and run. Uh, I, I honestly, I remember one time, and I've i have back and watched these these games multiple times. Guys, spending a lot of time uh, during the season going back and watching these things. And there's one play in particular I remember. I believe it was in the Tennessee game. Uh, not as coming across the middle, or maybe it was the middle Tennessee game, one of those games. Uh, but not as coming across the middle, uh, kind of dragging across. And that he was, I think, it looked like he's third on the progression. That's the one time where I really saw Justin Fields really go through his progressions. That, but guys, that's one time. It was a beautiful play. That's one time. Other than that play, I mean, I really cannot remember a single time where I saw him leave his first read. I did not see it. Um, so, and. To me, like, do you think Jake? Uh, let me ask you this too, and we'll get into this a lot more during the off season. I've, or, I are, I have been arguing that Jake Fromm at this point is an elite quarterback. Am I off base there? No, I mean, look what he did against Alabama. What oh, he <laughs> lost? So that's the that's the argument. But but but, but if Justin Fields were there, we would have won. That would have put us over the hump. I mean, we lost. Jake Fromm's zero and two against Alabama.
1: I think you also got to look at our deep. You know, it's not just him.
0: Well, does Jake Fromm play the other twenty one positions on the field? Exactly. I mean, Jake Fromm, again, put up the he put up more passing yards against the Alabama defense than anyone to Sean Watson. I mean, he he flat-out outplayed Tua Tungvaluwa against a better defense than what Tua was facing, right? So, I mean, I, I think Jake Fromm's lead quarterback, I think if you look at the numbers, if you look at the context, I, yes, he had a really bad game in against LSU. We all know that. But we're fine with Jake Fromm. Uh, we're actually more than fine with Jake Fromm. Maybe Fields could have beat him out if he stayed another year or two. We don't know that. It's possible. I'm certainly not going to discount it. Uh, but... I think in 2018, the reality was that, that Jake Fromm gave us the best chance to win football games, and Kirby's job as the head coach of the University of Georgia is to put the guys on the field that give us the best chance to win football games. It's not to try to develop a guy so he can be good down the road. That's that's not what – he has He has an obligation to this year's team to give us the best chance to win, and I firmly believe that was Jake Fromm. But um, And I'm not blaming Fields for leaving. If he thinks he has a better opportunity to go elsewhere, then it makes sense. I get it. Um, but I'm with you. I just don't know if I necessarily – I love exactly how it went down. Uh, All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to uh, some recruiting conversation here. we got a lot of stuff to get through. A lot of things went down today. Some good, some bad. Uh, It was a mixed bag, Kurt. So I think the obvious answer here to the question I'm about to ask you is it's somewhere in the middle. But I'm not going to allow you to get away with that. Uh, I need you to pick a side. Would you – if you had to, gun to your head – and I'm not really going to put a gun to your head. But if there was a gun to your head, if you had to pick one or the other, would you categorize – this Wednesday, December 19th, the first day of the early signing period, would you categorize this as a good day or a bad day for the University of Georgia?
1: Um, I think you have to say good day, and I think that's because, I mean, yes, we missed out on Sanders, but to me, and you and I both, we did our, uh, on Sunday talking about, you know, the prospects uh, who we were looking at. Our maybe we questions. ranked our
0: top, it was last yeah, week, We ranked, we ranked our, our of the remaining targets, we ranked our top five. And yeah.
1: that's why I have to say it was still a good day, uh, end-all, be-all, because we got our number one
0: target. Based on what you and I put out there, right? Yeah,
1: and, and I mean, even the the one person we truly missed on was Sanders. Everyone else, I mean, we got for the most part who we were expecting,
0: right? Um, and right now, like, there's still some there's still some guys out there. It's five twenty two p.m. right now, as uh, well five twenty three now as we're recording this. Uh, and right before we get on the air, last thing I saw her was that Trey Sanders and Evan Neal had not sent in their LOIs to Alabama. Did you see that? Yeah. So, like, look, they're probably gonna send him in. Sometimes those things take time. I'm like, I'm like 99% sure that's going to go in, but there's like that one percent chance. Remember Roquan? Right years ago, he announces he's coming to LH, or to UCLA. Doesn't send the letter of intent in, and then of course we kind of nose our way back in there, and lo and behold, we end up landing him. So, like, it, so it's, I'm, basically, I say that to say that we're right now. It's five twenty three. Things could happen, but what we're talking about right now is based on what we know at this point in the day. Um, but you're like Nickobe Dean was in my mind the big fish, and I think you're the same way, right? Yeah. W- what was it about him that makes him so important to this class that you I that you put awesome. him above Trey Sanders and a guy like Jane Hazelwood and some of these other guys? over there. I
1: think big. it's I think he's the best player at a position of need for us.
0: As simple as that. Yeah, I mean, cl- clearly we talked about this all year. In my in my opinion, I think it's pretty clear. I think you're with me. The inside linebacker is our biggest position of need for the 2019 season. Are you still with me there? Yeah. And Nicobe Dean, according to the 247 composite, is the number one inside linebacker in all of America. So if you look at that, those two things and put them together, that's our biggest need. He's the best linebacker in the country. Getting him to me is the number one priority. Because I, I do feel like... That I, I want to say it cost the Alabama game, and it cost the LSU game. There were multiple factors that cost us those games. It's never just one person or one thing, or it's rarely one person or one thing. But our inside linebacker play certainly didn't help us in, in either game. I think we were solid, we were decent to solid there, uh, but we were not elite at inside linebacker. Uh, I think N'Kobe Dean is another guy, along with guys like Quay Walker and Chain Tindle, that give us the opportunity in 2019 to potentially be elite at that position. So I think he was the guy that you and I had targeted – as the biggest need in this class. Now, another guy that you, you were mentioned there a second ago that we were both high on and was pretty high on our list was Trey Sanders, the running back out of IMG Academy in, in Bradenton, Florida. That recruitment, and so did Nicobe Deans. I mean, if you're if you guys follow the the recruiting net networks out there, and the analysts, the guys who the recruiting reporters, those writers that that cover this stuff for a living. I mean, Kurt, how would you describe how the information was flowing over the last forty eight hours?
1: Uh, it was it was
0: a, it was oh, all over the place. Yeah, was it not? I mean, I mean, literally, like within like twenty minutes, it could change like like dramatically from one from one team to another team. It swing back and forth. It was just it was insane. And even today, it was insane. From like what we heard this morning, like eight o'clock, to when these guys actually made their announcements and ended up sending sending in their letters of intent, it, it just went all over the place. Whether it was Nickobe Dean, Trey Sanders, it was all over the place. Uh, Trey Sanders ultimately ends up announcing that he's going to Alabama. What do you make of that decision? I mean, we don't know the guy. We didn't recruit the guy. But if you have to kind of read between the lines here and come to some sort of conclusion, why do you think it was Alabama over Georgia?
1: Uh, The biggest reason I think is just that I think it signals that Holyfield's coming back.
0: Do you really think that's what it is?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think it is. I think if if it hadn't been for that, I would have been shocked if he hadn't come here.
0: Do you think that's something our coaches – are going to tell him ahead of time, like, hey, we think Holyfield's coming back? Because that could damage our, our chances. Obviously, I think it w- did damage our chance to get him if that's exactly what went down. Or do you think our coaches are going to kind of behind the scenes kind of keep that from him? Uh, I think they would maybe say he hasn't made his mind up, kind of stuck with one of those. I think, honestly, like, you have to be straight up with these guys. Um, because your reputation is not just about this one recruit, right? It's about your reputation with recruits at large. And if the reputation gets out there that you are not upfront and honest with guys, because I mean, whether it's just dealing with with uh, Sanders, I mean, it's not just about him. Like, he, like he has coaches at IMG, right? He has teammates at IMG uh, that might be that we might be recruiting next year. If war gets back, that Georgia was dishonest with him, then that's certainly something that could impact our recruiting in a negative way moving forward. So I think you've got to be honest with him, and i I'm with you, like. I was of the opinion and last time I checked, DJ Williams had not committed to anywhere. Have you seen anything from him, Kurt? Yeah, I believe he went to Auburn. That, he, I, I, that was that was the odds on favorite there. So to me, he was a guy that we kind of we were keeping warm on the back end. No, no, Kane was another guy that we were kind of keeping warm, but uh, Trey Sanders was clearly our number one option there. If we didn't land him, then maybe we would we would uh, give Kane or Williams the green light to commit if they were if they wanted to do so. But from my understanding, we essentially told. Um, Noah Kane to kind of just like look elsewhere, man. Sorry, we're just not going to have room for you right now. And so, by virtue of the fact that we did not take a second running back in this class as of right now, I'm with you. I think that does lead me to believe that Elijah Holyfield is coming back. Uh, I'm pretty confident saying that, aren't you? Have to be. Yeah, I mean, we don't, I'm not saying I have any inside information that's coming, but if you read between the lines, like we're taking one running back in this class, if Elijah Holyfield leaves and Brian Harry potentially transfers out, uh we are not in a, a great depth situation. We have a lot of talent, but the depth would not be solid there, especially with Zeus coming off the injuries uh that he that he's been kinda of working through over the past year. Uh so like I I think by virtue of the fact that we chose to only take one running back as of now, nothing is gonna change. Maybe we add a guy, I don't know, in, in the February period, but I think that probably kind of an indicator that Holyfield is is likely to be coming back. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out, but I, I feel more confident about that than I did uh, uh, this time last week, and there's no doubt about it. Um, how big of a loss is Trey Sanders, though? Like, like It stings. There's no doubt it stings, but how much should we, should we be concerned about losing him to Alabama? It
1: stings, but I don't think it's end-all, be-all, because I think the biggest thing is we're going to continue to recruit top court, top running backs.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I told you. I mean, we were kind of texting back and forth throughout the day, and, and then when the Sanders news comes out, obviously we're both frustrated by it, and, you know, it's it's not good news. But that was kind of my, my, my message to you was like, look, I, I'm, I'm okay with this um, because and at that time we didn't know that we were getting to Kobe Dean, right? Yeah. So we all were kind of like, oh, my God, like we lost Sanders. We're not going to get Dean because at that time you're an old Miss, you know, all these different things for Dean. It's like, oh, my God, this day is going to be a disaster. Uh, and I kind of felt I, I if we missed on Dean like I would have been it would have been a bad day uh, but you know my, my message to you was it was essentially look like if we don't get him right now that probably tells me that Holyfield's coming back and look University of Georgia we're running back you we're always we're, we're always gonna be able to go out and recruit high level uh running backs there's just there's no doubt in my mind that next year we're gonna go find another guy that's on the same level as Trey Sanders or, or right about there and be able to bring him in. So really I think it was more of just a depth thing. If you look at the Alabama depth chart, they're obviously losing Damian Harris. There's been a lot of uh, smoke around the idea that Josh Jacobs is going to go pro. And so they're three-headed monster this year. Two of those guys very well could be gone. It leaves you with Najee Harris um, and, and, and Randolph as a guy who played a little bit in like mop-up duty, but he wasn't a major factor at all this year. So the path to playing time seems a lot more clear for Trey Sanders at Alabama than, if you, than it does right now at University of Georgia, if you look at our depth chart and the pieces that we have coming back that played major roles for us in the backfield last year. So I have to think that was a major factor in this decision. Um, but again, we, we never really know, but if you're looking at it, a guy like Trey Sanders, a guy of that ability, he's going to want to come in and make an immediate impact because most of these running backs want to be gone in three years. they got, they got short shelf life in the NFL. So he wants to come in and make a name for himself quickly. Alabama probably seemed like the most likely spot for him to be able to do that in year one. So, hence, he chooses Alabama. But, again, I don't think it kills us. McIntosh is a good, solid get. If, if, if Holyfield comes back, now if Holyfield doesn't come back, then uh, it'll be a different story. I'll kind of reverse my opinion here. But, look, you got your top two running backs coming back from last year. you got James Cook, who's going to be a factor next year. you got Zeus, who will hopefully be coming back healthy. So I think we're just fine. And again, let's not forget. I know Zeus is, going to, is coming off the injuries, but he was the number one number one running back in the nation last year. So if he can come back and we can insert him into the into the lineup, we will be just fine. And then I'm very confident next year we'll be able to land uh, a couple of guys that are big time prospects at the running back position. Uh, now the 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 really I guess surprise news. Like I, I guess his name. Like when was the first time you started to hear Dwan Mathis's name, Kurt? Oh, it's Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Yeah. I mean, it was like. You know, I, I pretty much for me, like right after dinner, I, I pulled up uh, some uh, social media stuff, pulled up message boards, and I'm seeing DeJuan Mathis' name, like as a guy that we're going to go after as a quarterback recruit. Now, he's been committed to Ohio State for a while, uh, but there are, this is a guy that there's a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a big gap between how the different recruiting services see him. If you look at Dwan Mathis on Rivals, he's like he's basically a top 100 prospect. Rivals.com has him rated there. Now if you look at him on 247, he's like in the 800s. And typically guys are like in the 800s, those are guys that just simply haven't really evaluated, right? So if you look at the 247 composite, he's essentially like a, a top 250 guy. Uh, but I pulled up his tape, uh, watched all eight minutes of his, of his senior highlight tape. I like what I saw. Did you get a chance to, to take a look at any of that, Kurt?
1: I did. I think the one thing that impressed me was his deceptive speed for how big
0: he is. Yeah, for a guy that's 6'6", uh, over 200 pounds. Now, he's got a lanky frame, but he's 6'6". Typically, guys that are 6'6 don't move that well, right? Typically, they do not move that well at all. But he's got he's, he's not like a, a quick twitch guy, but I think he's got good speed. He's a guy that can extend plays. He can escape the pocket. He makes things happen with his legs. Um, I was actually impressed. Did you notice like his ability to throw on the run? Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I was overly impressed that, you know, he hadn't heard much about
0: him. For a guy that we got last second, like, I, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say that this is a guy like that's about as good as you can get at the last second, right? I mean, yeah, a, a it, late it two days to get him, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a late. his dad did an interview with Dog Nation and said that, you know, we contacted him over the last couple of weeks and we were kind of messaging with Duane and then his dad asked Duan to get, him, get, get our guys on the phone, get our coach on the phone and it kind of went from there uh, and he has visited us before. It's not like it was just out of the blue. Um, he he did talk to he is he was a guy that's that that uh, has visited here in the, in the past and is, has at least somewhat of a relationship with our coaches. But the big thing was he's an early enrollee, and that I told you guys that is what we were going after. That's why we asked John Reese Plumlee to blue shirt because he's not an early enrollee. If Fields does indeed go through the transfer, we have to have a guy in mid year, or we're only going to have one scholarship quarterback. And it's hard to even conduct a practice with one scholarship quarterback. We absolutely had to have a guy and to get a guy like I mean I would have taken literally any scholarship quarterback even like a low three-star guy I would have gladly just taken him we need somebody but to get a guy of dwan Mathis's ability uh I think I mean it's just an incredibly impressive job by Kirby Smart Company to kind of pound the pavement and kind of just have something in your back pocket always have an answer when things don't end up going your way so I mean I'm I'm very excited about it I think he's got a chance to uh, to be a, a solid player for us. Now, do you think he's ready to come in right away and really compete for the starting job?
1: No, not at all. And even his his dad mentioned it in the interviews and stuff. I, I actually have to say the one thing that got me was the quote by his dad. Yes, that was
0: my next question.
1: Yeah, that quote, I'll let you bring it up. Yeah,
0: uh, no, I'm just uh, Do you have it in front of you? No, I don't. Okay, I have it in front of me right here, so I'm just going to read a quote uh, word by word here. So this, I think this is the one you're talking about. Tell me if it's not. But his dad was quoted, and this is Dog Nation. Uh, it was Mike Griffiths. So I want to give credit to uh, – uh, Dog Nation for getting this this quote, but his dad says, "quote Dwan understands the program and the role he has been recruited for, to learn from the current quarterback. And this is the key part: and not be divisive or cause any problems. He respects the head coach and Coach Cheney, and he is ready to come in, put his head down, and go to work. Those, I mean, those are pretty explosive comments in my book. Like, I mean." I don't really see any other way, <clears throat> excuse me, to interpret that. Do you?
1: No, I don't think there's any other way than to
0: say that that's a shot at Justin. I mean, that's 100% a shot at Justin Fields. I mean, th- right? It has to be. Like, I, I don't, I mean, I, I I sat and, like, stared at this for, like, 10 minutes today. I was like, okay, what am I missing? Am I, am I reading too much into this? And, like, Am I trying to make something out of nothing here? But, like, I've come to the conclusion, like, I don't know if there's any other way to take this. I mean, he says flat out he's, He understands the program, the role he's been recruited for. He's going to learn from the current quarterback and not be divisive or cause any problems. Woo! That is a shot at Justin Fields. So I think that might be a little look underneath the hood there of what's been going on uh, inside our program here over the past. I mean, who knows how long it's been going on. Um, And maybe it is a little bit overblown. I don't know. But those words came out of Dwan Mathis' father's mouth. And it's not like they've been following our program that closely. They had to have heard that from our coaches, right?
1: Yeah, I feel like that was literally a quote the coaches probably
0: gave him. Yeah, I mean that has. To, I mean, I, I imagine it's like, look, we're looking for a guy that can come in mid-year as an early enrollee, give you a chance to learn the system. We got a guy that's has been our starter for two years, taking us to two SEC title games, to, go to a national title game, and uh, he's probably going to be the guy. We're going to have you kind of sit behind him and learn from him. He's a great guy to learn from. He'll coach you up and that kind of deal. And then you can you'll have a shot once he leaves in a year <laughs> or two to kind of take over. But what we need is someone who's going to be a good teammate and not be divisive. Whoo! That's pretty. I mean, those are strong words. I mean, that that that's pretty. That's pretty strong. So, just an interesting thing to, to hear come out of uh, his his dad's mouth there. Uh, I I think he's like. Would you say he's kind of raw at this point in his career?
1: Yeah, I think he is, and I think he's the perfect can you know the perfect type of person that we to, to fill the role that we need.
0: Right. He. This is the guy you need. Like, this is how you have to recruit. Quarterbacks at this point, like, like the days of like trying to stack five star on, on top of five stars at the quarterback position, like I don't think that is really a a feasible way to recruit anymore. Do you? No, not at all. They're they're going to transfer twelve of the last nineteen guys when they've not won the job right away. Those five star quarterbacks have transferred, so no, and last that kills your depth.
1: The last three ESPN number one quarterbacks have all transferred now.
0: Absolutely, and that destroys the quarterback depth of a team. Like like we're feeling the effects of that right now. We have we had two five star quarterbacks in a three year period, and a high, highly rated four star prospect in Justin and, and Jake Fromm, and two of those guys are gone because the four star beat them out, uh, and that leaves us with one scholarship quarterback. It destroys your depth. So you need to get a, a an elite quarterback like that to build around, but then you have to surround. You have to you have to surround him with guys that are high upside, right, that might be a little more raw but have a high upside you think, you think you can coach up and develop. But Those are guys that don't expect to come in and play right away. They're not going to transfer when they don't win the job right away. And you, then you get a little class separation between your, the guy, your, your building block, like Jake Fromm or Justin Fields, whoever it is, and you get two or three years class separation. Then you get you another big-time five-star type guy. Now, we need to find ourselves one of those guys in this year, in the 2020 class, right? Yeah, we have to. Like, we've got to get one of those guys in this class. But Dwan Mathis is the perfect type of prospect for us to take at the quarterback position in this class. He checks off the box of early enrollee. He's a little raw, but uh, so he's he's probably not expecting, as his dad said, to come in and compete right and really win the job right away. Uh, he understands that he understands his role. He's just going to go to work, but he has a high upside. He's got good athleticism, good solid arm. Uh, Again, all I saw were his highlights, so you're not going to see the the play-by-play thing. The consistency thing is something I can't really speak on because I've never seen the guy more than his eight-minute highlight clip. But uh, I think he's the perfect kind of guy to bring in uh, in this situation, and I just got to give our coaches a round of applause. I mean, I I think this is about as good as we could have expected to kind of answer the Justin Fields transfer situation. So definitely happy about that. Um, Now, the Tyreek Stevenson announcement, did you watch that? No, I'm glad I did. Oh, my God, dude, I spent 45 minutes of my life. And I wasn't, like, completely, like, watching it closely for 45 minutes. Uh, at least it felt like 45. I mean, I think it actually was, but like it's like, 30, 45 minutes. But, I, dude, I mean, I kind of had it, like, off the side just watching, you know, glancing at it every now and then. And then I will say, okay, they're, they're, now they bring up Tyreek Stevenson's name. Let's turn the volume up and see what's going on. And so I go through all that, and then they get to him, and he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, guys, just uh, – just sitting here because I'm not going to announce, I'm going to wait till the All-American game, which is what he was going to do initially. And then he puts out a tweet last week or earlier this week saying that he was going to announce uh, today on the 19th, and then he goes back and says, no, nah, I'm going to wait till the 5th. So that was annoying. Uh, do you feel – do you have any feeling right now on – what our chances are with him on the 5th when he does announce at the All-American I actually game? Think,
1: I actually think it was actually in our favor that he did that because he was still on the visit high from Miami. Right. So I think that that's why it may potentially help us.
0: Any anytime you can allow a prospect a little separation from his last official visit when it wasn't you and it's maybe the team that you're like in closest competition with for the guy's signature, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Like, it's definitely a good thing. So, I, I think that does bode well for us. And I don't know if you pay attention to Miami's situation today, Kurt. It wasn't pretty for them today. Did you notice that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it had been pretty the last couple weeks. Yeah, and, and we kind of
0: expected that. Like, that's not a news flash for anyone. We, we knew it was trending down for Miami. Um, so, again, like, I, and we talked about this last week on the show. Like, is that really a situation that you think that Tyree Stevenson wants to jump in? I know it's home for him, but if you look at the situation, is that really where you want to jump in and go? You wouldn't think so. But. You, would, you wouldn't think so, but again, like all, all these recruits, they have different priorities. They're different people. I, I will say his mom has been open. I mean, she said it multiple times, even as, as recently as like late last week in interviews, that she wants her son to, to get out of Miami. Like She wants him to go do something different. It's kind of like Sonia Michelle. Like he just wanted to get out of Miami. He wanted to get away from certain influences. Just get away, do his own thing, not get too far away. And that's like George is a good landing spot for some of those guys. We have connections in South Florida with some of our guys, our coaching staff, like James Coley. Jeez. Um, and we're, we're far enough away from home, but not too far away from home. So I, I feel like we have a, a really good shot here. Um, I'm not going to put a percentage on it. I don't know. Um, but I, I feel better than I did maybe like two days ago, even on, on Tyreek Stevenson here. And I mean, he's a borderline five-star type prospect. He's not quite a five-star he's about as high of a four-star prospect as you can get, but I mean, he's might as well be a five-star prospect in my book. I mean, he's got, he's got the skill set to come in and play and compete for a job right away. Um, now, another guy that is holding off and not announcing until the 5th, um, he allegedly assigned signed his letter of intent with, with some school today, but he's not going to go public with it until um, the, the 5th at the All-American game. And that's Jaden Hazelwood, a guy that was on our commit list for about a year. Uh, it's been a couple months now that since he's decommitted. He's gone back and forth, Georgia, Miami, uh, Oklahoma, has kind of been in the picture a little bit uh, as well. How do you feel about our chances at this point in getting Jaden Hazelwood back in the fold?
1: Uh, they're not too confident. I mean, with him, he's been so just
0: Wish wishy-washy. Well.
1: Yeah, it's hard to really know, but I don't think so, especially after all the stuff in Fields. I would highly doubt
0: it. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on him. Like Last week, you and I were actually like leaning towards saying he was coming here, right? Yeah. Uh, but that was with the information we had then. Things are just so fluid when it comes to recruiting. And when the Justin Fields news hit, I mean... Look, these guys are pretty tight. Uh, that's that's long been established. Uh, I do think that Fields leaving and how this kind of went down, I do think that damaged uh, our standing with Jaden Hazelwood. And I do not – as of right now, and things can change. Look, we've got two weeks until those those All-American games, so our coaches can be in contact and uh, can't visit him, but we can be in contact. He calls us, texts, and all that kind of stuff. There's ways to communicate with him. So maybe things happen. I mean, we'll see. Uh, but – I think right now I would probably lean towards Oklahoma. What about you? Uh, that's,
1: probably, that's where I
0: would lean towards. Yeah, uh, I would lean towards Oklahoma. I wouldn't be shocked to see Fields and Hazelwood end up Oklahoma. I also wouldn't be shocked to see Justin Fields end up at Ohio State. Uh, we'll see, kind of see how that plays out. But uh, I think Hazelwood will will end up at – And then, Hey, I, and I know this is like d- Tyler playing like detective here. I don't know if you saw this, Kurt. Did you see the uh, – was it Instagram? It's one of the social media sites that uh, – I think it was Instagram – that Hazelwood posted his little conversation, part of his conversation with Cam Newton? Yeah, I heard about it. I didn't really. Yeah, attention. well, if, you, if any of you have Instagram, you can go find it. You can probably find on the internet somewhere. You might even be able to find it on Twitter. Who, who knows? Somewhere. But he, he had a little conversation with Cam Newton. They were going back and forth. Uh, they were texting. So he basically, Hazelwood took a snapshot of it, uh, posted it on Instagram, and kind of blacked out the spots where he told Newton where he was going. And he basically posted there and said, hey, you know, real Cam Newton won or whatever is giving me great advice, blah, blah, whatever. Uh, and he didn't do a great job of blacking out the information uh, and what he, and, the, and like where it said he was gonna go. Uh, if you look at it closely, what I what I was able to kind of get from it is it looks like what he's saying, what Cam says to him after he, after uh, Jane tells him where he's going is like that's a long way from home, but the dividends will make it worth it in the end. That's kind of what I was able to make out of it. Um, so and if you look closely, where he marked out where he was telling. Uh, Cam Newton, where he was going, the last letter uh, looks to be a Y, because uh, you can kind of see that he didn't really get the last letter blocked out. It looks, looks to be a Y. Now, it, I guess he could have said Georgia University, but who in the right mind refers to us as Georgia University? No one. No one. I imagine he probably said Oklahoma University. Now, maybe this is just some massive smoke screen. He's trolling everybody and he put that up there on purpose and purposely didn't block stuff out. Maybe he's being that big of a troll. I don't know. Uh, but seeing that mixed with the Justin Fields information... Uh, leads me to believe that he will probably end up elsewhere. Uh, do you see us trying to bring in another wide receiver in this class uh, down the stretch as we get near the February signing period? I think it all depends on news with Ridley. Yeah, I think it's kind of like with, in some ways, like Sanders and Holyfield, right? Yeah. I, I think if Ridley or Miko, I mean, I, I think Ridley's more likely <laughs> than Miko, right? Yeah. To, to declare, uh, but I think our coaches are watching that kind of seeing how that's going to potentially go down. Uh, And if he does, then I imagine we'll try to get it with a guy like maybe George Pickens, although he might be an academic casualty. We'll see. But I think you still have to at least kick the rocks around there and try to see what you can get, uh, see if you can get any momentum with him. Uh, What about the remaining targets on our board? Like guys like Kyrie Elam, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about them as we get closer to the February signing period. Doug Nestor, uh, Darnell Wright. Do you feel decent about our chances land any of those guys?
1: Uh, I think you. I mean, especially when it comes to O line, you gotta have some type of uh, faith
0: in Sam Pittman. Well, let's look at it right now. Like right now, we've got 21 commits on board, right? 20, I think. Well, I mean, I
1: guess if you count Plumley.
0: Let's see. Um, let's see. If you count Plumley. Yeah, 20 signees today. Yeah, we 20 signees. But I mean, are you still? Are you not counting Plumley anymore? Are you just uh, until he says something definitive? Okay, so we'll say we got 20 signees today. All right. So let's say uh, with 20 signees today. Would you say we got four or five spots left? Uh, Do we get to twenty five?
1: We want twenty four because you yeah. have to hold a spot for
0: Sol- Aubrey Solomon. Right, that's what that's what I'm saying. So, so let's say twenty five with Solomon, right? Yeah. So let's say twenty five. You we guys, we're going to try to hold a spot for Aubrey Solomon. The, the words right now at least seems to be that Aubrey Solomon, the former five star prospect, transfer from Michigan. We seem to be in pretty good shape there. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing right now as well. I mean, things can change, but feel pretty good about that. So you have the Solomon spot. Uh, I think we need another quarterback. Are you with me on that? Yeah, I probably would be. So whether it's Plumlee or whoever it might be, so we got a quarterback, we got a we got a defensive tackle, uh, then we got three other spots. Is there another position where you feel like we need to take a, a a certain position? We need another offensive lineman, another DB, or is it just the next three best players available? Uh, I mean, I think you got to get a look at tackle. Yeah, I would I would love to get an offensive tackle in here, uh, if possible. Whether it's Nestor or Wright, so let's say. Right now, let's say hopefully we can get uh, Aubrey Solomon as a transfer. That takes up one spot for 2019. We get another quarterback, and then we get hopefully either Wright or Nestor uh, on the offensive line, and that leaves us with two spots where we just take the best available prospect. So there's still a little bit of work to be done. Uh, all the hay is not in the barn yet. There's some There's some work to be done. There's some guys out there. Maybe Kyrie Elam is a guy that we get back in the full with. Potentially, maybe if, maybe if if he's interested, he wants to come here, we see him as the best available. So there's some options out there. I mean, we're not done right now. We, we, had, a, we had a solid day. I think I agree with you, Kerr. I think by virtue of the fact that we got the guy that you and I think was the biggest need for this class – and the number one linebacker, and in the inside linebacker in the country. I would lean more towards this being a good day if you look at him and also being able to get Mathis in here as an early enrollee, be able to flip him from Ohio State. Now Sanders losing out of him that like, like Sanders that was the big one, right? Like, was there anyone else that like that we didn't get that you were, that you were expecting us to get today? No, not at all. No, I I really think Sanders was the one that we missed on, uh, and I I if, I get why he went to Alabama. Uh, that makes sense to me. I understand it, and we'll be fine. Like if, especially if Holyfield comes back, we'll be fine. But we got Dean. If I had to choose between Dean and Sanders, I'm taking Dean. Um, that's just me. Uh, you guys have a different opinion. That's cool. Then um, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Like you hit us up on Twitter at UGA. But uh, I'm just dude. Like when we like the sigh of relief that came out of me when I saw Dean uh, announced for us. It was just – it felt good because, um, man, like I, there was some, there was definitely some nervous energy coursing through my veins because if we had missed on him and Sanders, then it would have been – like is it too much to say that would have been like a, a, a disastrous day for us? It would have been at least a letdown. Yeah, I mean I don't know if I would go as far as saying it's a disastrous day because we still would have been like a top – at least minimum top three class, right? Yeah. So it's hard to sit here and say, oh my god, it was a disaster because we lost Sanders and Dean, but – Getting Dean was big for us. Is we need to upgrade the talent at the inside linebacker position. We have two guys on campus right now that I think can be really good players for us. <clears throat> Monty Rice is no slouch at all. I don't think I don't. I wouldn't put him in the same league, uh, athletic wise, as Jacoby Dean and um, guys like Quay Walker and Shane Tindall. But he's no slouch. Um, so if you add Dean to that equation, I think it really upgrades the talent level there, and uh, and it's going to give us a good chance to. Uh, have a much better group at inside linebacker next year, so I think all in all it was a pretty good day for us. It could have been better. There's no doubt. I would love for Stevenson to gone ahead and, and and committed and made his announcement. It sucks having to wait another couple of weeks here, but eh, it is what it is. Now, uh, I do want to look at the guys that that signed today, Kurt, real quickly here that have been on our on our commit list for a while. Now we're gonna wait until February, guys. We're gonna wait until. All the hay is in the bar. We're going to wait until all guys sign with us, the early signing period or the February period before we go down and detail our, our take on every single prospect. We will do that. in February, After the February signing day, we will go through the, the commitment list, everybody that we've got, and then we will give you our take on each one of them. We will do that show. But we're not going to do that show right now because the, the class is still a work in progress. We've got a lot of guys in, but the class is still a work in progress. So we're going to hold off on that until February. But I do want to ask you about some of these guys that have been committed for a while, Kurt. Who are you most excited about of the guys who've been committed and went ahead and signed their letter of intent today? I mean,
1: I think there's no doubt you
0: got to go, Nolan Smith. Is he the guy more than a guy like maybe uh, Trevon Walker? Because he he was the guy that you said last week that you thought potentially could be the one. I mean, realistically, for if, earliest supposed, time. If, I go with, if
1: I want to go truly the most excited player, I'm actually going to go with Jermaine Johnson. So I think he's the, the day one, the best day one starter that's going to make a big impact this year.
0: Already practicing with the team.
1: Yeah, and he's our, yeah. I, in my opinion, he's, as soon as he steps on the field, I think he's the best outside linebacker we have.
0: Physically, I, I think he's the most physically ready right now. Um, like, I think, do I think Adam Anderson long-term is a better pure pass rusher, than, pass rusher than Johnson? I think so. But Johnson's body is just more physically ready right now, right? And I think he's more of a total package of Britton Cox. Don't get me wrong. Britton Cox is really good. He's going to be really good for us. I think Johnson's a better pass rusher than him. And I think Nolan Smith is going to be a freaking stud for us. But right now, I think Jermaine Johnson, who's coming from Independence Community College in Kansas— Uh, as a JUCO transfer, the number one JUCO prospect in America, I think he's more physically ready right now to make an impact in year one. So I think he's a guy to certainly keep your eye on. We've actually got four guys that are in this class that are currently practicing, with, that are on campus practicing with the team right now. You have got Jermaine Johnson, you got Clay Webb, the five-star prospect from Alabama, a five-star center, maybe potentially offensive guard prospect. DJ Daniel, another Juco guy that's going to come and compete right away for a job, uh, especially uh, now that uh, De- DeAndre Baker's moving on to the NFL. He's gonna, there's going to be a spot there for him to compete for that job at corner, and then Tremel um, who is a, a guy who was supposed to be part of last year's class, didn't quite qualify, had to go uh, to pro- – I mean, he went to Hutchinson for a year, and now he's able to come back. Um, what, were you surprised that we kept Walthauer in this class? Uh, Are you you're surprised thing, he's yeah. not a guy that we processed? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know what to think about him, honestly, right now. I mean, coming out of high school, he he has some upside to him. I haven't seen this guy in a year. I don't know what he looks like right now. I mean, according to 247 uh, Sports – he they got they still have having his high school height and weight, 6'4, 277. I have to imagine he's a little bigger than that right now. Um, but I'm gonna trust our coaches here. Look, they they evaluate these guys more than we do. They've got a lot more information to operate off of. I was slightly surprised with spots being as tight as they were that he uh, that he that he was able to stick in this class, but clearly our coaches see something in him. Uh, but yeah, so we've got four guys on on campus right now going through the practices with the team. Uh, Johnson and Daniel, I think it's really important for them because I think those guys have a chance to, realize, as you said, contribute heavily in 2019. Now, one more thing I'm going to ask you about these guys that have been committed for a while, Kurt, uh, and signed their letter of intent today. Of all those guys, who do you, th- who would you kind of highlight as the most underrated of the signees in our 2018 or 2019 class, as of, as it stands right now? I have a couple other guys, but those are going to be big time names. Who are the guys? Who are you looking at? It might be an underrated prize, that people aren't really talking about enough.
1: Um, I'm going to go with Warren McClendon and Kenny McIntosh.
0: What do you see in McClendon? Does he have the ability to be a, a true left tackle for us?
1: I think it's just his, his value and being so versatile. Um, you know, you can't speak enough about those guys.
0: Yeah, a Swiss Army knife at, at the offensive tackle or on the offensive line, a guy like, uh, I don't know, Cade Mays. Uh, you know, Isaiah Wynn of, of past years, those guys are extraordinarily valuable. But the goal is always to get your best five on there. So if you have that versatility like that, if you're one of the best five, we can find a spot for you. So I, that's a good one there. A guy that I'm going to uh, mention here real quickly is Zion Logue. Uh, he is a defensive tackle um, out of uh, Tennessee. Uh, he is a He's a four-star prospect, but basically no one's talking about him. He's one of our lowest-rated recruits. In fact, if you look at the guys that are High school uh, seniors, right now, he and Tyman Mitchell are the two lowest rated guys. And I, I think Mitchell's gonna be a good player, also a defensive tackle at Tennessee. But Logue at 6'6, about 290, I think he has the frame to grow into a Raquan Davis type defensive tackle prospect down the road. I really do. Once he gets into a college weightlifting program at 6'6, he can truly be a Raquan Davis type disruptive force on the defensive line. He is not that right now. He's got some weight to put on, he's got to develop, certainly. But I think he has that potential. Um, so just a name to kind of look look at. Maybe not, certainly not, I don't think for 2019, but 2020, 2021, I think that he's a guy that can be a big-time contributor for us on the defensive line. So just keep an eye on him over the next couple of years. But uh, that does it for today, guys, here on the Glory UJ Podcast. Uh, trying to make sure we covered all the big news here. If there's something we did not cover, we are going to have a – another mailbag show, a recruiting mailbag show early next week for you guys. Kind of get your thoughts in. Uh, so we're going to put that call out now. If you got any questions on the recruiting front or something that we didn't cover that you're interested in, or if you have any comments yourself, if you have a statement you want to throw out there about about one prospect or another, send them our way or on Twitter. It's at glory underscore UGA. We will put them on the show next week because I'm sure there's something we missed. There's got to be something we missed. Um, but we'll have... All that for you guys next week. So go ahead and start sending that stuff. Then we'll put another call out on Twitter uh, in, in a couple of days. But you can go ahead and start sending that stuff in. We'd love to get your take on this signing class as it stands right now. Because, again, it is not a finished product. We've got a couple more guys out there. Um, last thing I will I will ask you, Kurt. Last thing I'll ask you before we get out of here. Do we finish the number one class when it's all said and done? Uh,
1: probably not. I think it'll be a tight
0: race. I just don't think we get take, can overtake them. If we get Darnell right. I think there's a shot, right? If we get Stevenson, Darnell Wright, and hey, if we get Stevenson, Darnell Wright, and and Hazelwood, like I think we can do it. I don't think we're getting Hazelwood though. I think Darnell Wright's going to be an uphill battle. I don't. I, I think that's. I don't want to say it's a pipe dream. It's it's unlikely at this point. But if we can get Nestor and we can get Stevenson, and we can get Elam, and we can get another quarterback in here, then yeah, I think we are going to have a. Well, no, we're not going to be number one. I think losing Sanders probably caused us that. I think mean, it probably did, but. Look, we're right there. We're gonna be nipping on the hills of Alabama. And look, being number two, if it's not the end of the world, I think we were number one last year. They were number five in, in the recruiting class. And look, when you're when you're number two, it's all guessing at that point. Like it's like the the margin there is it's really 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 thin. And if you look at the where the rankings are right now, the team rankings, like Alabama and Georgia at number one, number two. Have basically just pulled away from the rest of the country. Like the gap between number two, uh, Georgia, and number three, A and M, is is much wider than the gap between number one, and number two. So uh, look, if we end up finishing number two, that's okay. It's it's not. I know Bama will pump their chest and, and claim their recruiting national championship. And that's fine. We did that last year, um, but we'll be just fine. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm with you. I don't think we'll quite get there. I think we'll make a push for it. But when it's all said and done, uh, I think the Bama probably ends up there. Although I'll I'll say that they might be done right now. They got 26 guys. They might be able to make room for another guy or two, maybe. But we have more room to potentially move up. I just think that I, I don't know if we'll be able to catch them at this point. Because If you look at them, pull up the rankings here real quick. We've got Alabama sitting at number one with 312 points. We're at number two with 297. Uh, now, they have 26 commits. We've got 21. We have more five-star prospects. Basically, like really what's, what killed us is talking about us in alabama they've got five more prospects right now and then we've got the two three stars down there two three star even some tackles they're kind of dragging our overall average down just a little bit their alabama's average prospects rank 94.04 and ours is 93.71 but i imagine that number will come up a little bit here as we inch close to the february signing period we'll make a run for it i don't think we'll quite get there though but um all right guys that does it for today on the glory uj podcast we definitely appreciate you guys taking time to join us here on the show again send us in all your recruiting questions about this class guys who signed and didn't sign today and the guys who also we're still uh we're still on the hunt for as we head into the february signing period but uh for curtis i'm tyler thanks for listening as always go dollars